This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. I'm a great believer in getting the most out of as little as possible. And what I mean by that, Nikki, is you don't have to have the most expensive camera. I mean, I'd like to, but you don't have to have the most expensive lens or you don't have to have the most expensive flash. I mean, if you can afford it, good. Go. I mean, if I could afford it, yes, I would do it. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is John Busby with The Portrait Kitchen that he runs with his wife, Angie. Their business is called The Portrait Kitchen because their studio is actually in their kitchen in their home. John and Angie live in a tiny town in England, and one of their specialties is millinery photography, which if you're like me and had not heard of this before, millinery is actually hats. They have this really cool just niche photographing all sorts of hats for their clients along with doing their other portrait work. It was really interesting to chat with John about just having such a specific niche with his business. And what he talks about is really relatable to all different, you know, just really narrow parts that you could get into with your own business. I just loved our conversation and I'm excited to introduce you to John Busby. Hi, John. Welcome to the Portrait System. How are you? I'm good. It's Friday evening. Um, So I'm in a good mood looking forward to the weekend and thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Same. I love the weekends. The weekends are so great. Now that I don't work them. <laughs> uh. <laughs> that makes a big difference. Uh, yeah, yeah. I sometimes do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can imagine so because you've got a job and a portrait business. Well, yeah. I guess portrait business is also a job, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so tell me a little bit about you, John, where you live and your business partner is also your wife, Angie. So I want to hear a little bit about her. So just let's just start there. Yeah, sure. Um, well, my name is John, and uh, with my wife Angie, we run the Portrait Kitchen. We're based in the Midlands in the UK, so think sort of like the middle of England. I mean, technically, we're about as far away from the sea as you can possibly be in England, I think, from where we are. Um, we lived here for about five years. I've been sort of into photography or aspired to be into photography for most of my life, but kind of found it quite challenging the old film days, you know. We have a uh, business that is kind of beyond startup, um, so to speak, um, but I, I like to call it startup. 
sort of sounds quite cool. They call the Portrait <laughs> Kitchen, and um, people say that's a bit of a random name for a photography people. Uh, but I actually started in in our back garden. We were sat one day, and I was going to studios, and I was renting, and um, obviously couldn't afford a studio of my own. And we just sat, and actually, to be honest, it was Angie's idea. She says, "Could we not use the kitchen?" And I went. Right. Uh, we have a, <laughs> a, a particularly large kitchen. My wife's a great cook as well, and it's kind of a very long galley kitchen, but it's about two, three times wider than a galley kitchen, or a typical galley kitchen. And then I said, mm, there's a lot of space, but, and then I kind of like looked up and thought, oh, I can put brackets on the wall there. I can have colorama drops or, or rolls, whatever, coming down. And and and, and it, so, it sort of started from that. Um, so there was the sort of concept of the portrait kitchen, but the other thing, and it's really helped us with our business and 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 having this is being as a couple, so husband and wife. A lot of our clients are women, and you know when we're photographing, say their product or, or some of their fashion or whatever the case may be, uh, what we do is bring in portrait styles, portrait um, kind of knowledge to mm-hmm. you know really glorify and enhance something like uh, millinery, which is what our big speciality is, which is a little bit different to perhaps what you normally do with um, people on, on the show. And um, it sort of grew from that. And that was about um, three, four years ago, maybe. Okay. We, slightly funny story. I, I had a wild idea about a year ago to say, oh, let's be more cool. Let's call it TPK instead of the Portrait Kitchen. And that got binned pretty quickly by Angie. And the, you know what the funny thing is, Nikki? People, you will pro- probably... Re- remember now in your head the portrait kitchen because it's so quirky it's so wacky and that's the first sort of business thing i'd say to anybody is that think about it from that point of view that you you know would i call it the john busby portrait service no people won't remember that but they will remember the portrait kitchen well it's interesting because the first time i heard your business i i was thinking do they photograph food (laughs) <laughs> like, it took me a second. I wasn't sure, you know. But now that yeah. I hear your story, it's really, I have so many questions for you. So oh, yeah. I, I want to back up a second, and I want to hear a little bit more about your studio in the kitchen. Because I know we have a lot yeah. of listeners who are, you know, they don't have a space for a studio, or they're doing it in their guest bedroom, or they're looking at renting. Yeah. You know, there's just different options. So I'm I'm curious how you have it set up in the kitchen. Okay, well... One thing that I would like to say, and it'll come out hopefully during the podcast, is that um, I'm a great believer in getting the most out of as little as possible. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that, Nikki, is you don't have to have the most expensive camera. I mean, I'd like to, but you don't have to have the most expensive lens or you don't have to have the most expensive flash. I mean, if you can afford it, good. Go. I mean, if I could afford it, yes, I would do it. So in terms of the setup, so we have the kitchen's probably, I don't know, 30 foot long it's probably about uh, 10 foot wide so it's it's big we have one wall at the end and on that i have so so when we shoot um i use paper rolls um so that's that's kind of like my key thing so i have a bracket which holds up three and these this is great talking on this podcast i can get quite technical you know normally when i talk to friends they go what's a 1.35 roll of paper, you know, and I'm like, you know, it's like, yeah, I found a place I actually do it and let myself go. So we have a, uh, in that bracket, you can put up to three uh, rolls. So typically when we talk to a client, we'll have a discovery call beforehand and we'll say, right, what are the colors of your hats? What sort of model do you want or who's modeling it or whatever the case may be. So there's quite a bit of work goes in even before the shoot happens. So we want to make sure colors matching. So, you know, mm-hmm. does it need a black background? Does it need a, um, a pumpkin background? Does it need a 
an aqua blue background, all that. We've got about 20 different rolls that we keep in the loft as storage. So that's kind of like our backdrop. We I normally shoot with one, maybe two lights only. Space confines that a little bit. Um, sometimes I might bring three in as a kicker or a hair light, something like that. Here's the bit that always gets people is that I only I, I tend to use speed lights. Mm-hmm. So again, this comes back to this thing about affordability. So actually, to be able to break into doing off-camera uh, photography, it doesn't matter to me, you know, whether or not you're doing product, you're doing portrait, you're doing, you know, uh, anything. Um, what matters is that am I going to be able to create this light and can I do this affordably? Um, and I even, I don't even use, um, you know, major camera brands like Nikon or Canon. I go down to much sort of like lower cost ones like Godox's or Young Nuo's, people like that, mm-hmm. which are just as good, equally as robust, but are about a quarter of the price of, of, of right. a major I'm brand. I'm with you on one, that, you know? totally. Yeah. And, and, and around that, I'll just have reflectors that would probably cost me, you know, 15 quid, few light stands so i can i can manipulate the light a little bit you know in terms of that um in terms of the actual shot so um if we want to get really technical i shoot on the d800 um it's taken me best part of five or six years to get to that point because they they're not cheap i never buy new cameras so this is i mean 800 is about nearly 10 years old now still does the job kicks out it's got a good sensor on it all that sort of thing love it yeah it, it then uh, recently what, what we've done is that we tether directly out of the 800 into lightroom and that's important for us um because we can actually see you, you can only especially if you're doing portraiture or you're doing what i'd call like millinery portraiture which is what we do because um and i'll come on to that hopefully later to say why do we use models instead of stands and there is a very valid reason for that but being able to tether into lightroom we can get that detail so we can take the shot um and then we can zoom in and we just say you know you know there's an eyelash here well because i'm what i'm trying or what we're both trying to do is i don't want to spend that much time in post-processing that i can avoid by getting it right pre-shoot totally and it's like you know there are things that i do in post but you know if there's a button in a jacket that hasn't gone into the kind of like the hole properly i'd rather know that now because that's a pain to sort out in photoshop mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it's like it's just a little thing you could have spent two minutes doing and so so that's that and within the kitchen so the kitchen if you think of it that sort of 30 foot whatever is in two halves the front half is kind of the studio where the shoots all happen in that the second half is where the model will sit, the client will sit, the hats will sit. Um, so that's kind of like the working area. I rarely go into that area. That's kind of Angie's area. Um, mm-hmm. And she rarely comes in and touches the camera because that's kind of like my area. And it's quite an interesting dynamic we have because we're quite, obviously we're husband and wife and as well as that, we're fortunate, we're best friends as well. And and it's kind of, it's almost clients have said to us it's almost entertaining to see the two of you because Angie will say oh I'll have that with a grey backdrop and I'll say a grey one work with Angie and she'll and then we have this little sort of banter going on between us <laughs> and the clients quite like that as well it adds character but, I feel like yeah 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 and and, and, yeah, and you cool. know what you, you know what's really interesting is that I, I was talking to a client uh, a military client actually probably a month or so ago and she said to me that what I really liked about it John was the fact that I've always wanted my work to be photographed beautifully on a beautiful model. So it's almost like it could be on the cover of Vogue or it could be at a Dior collection or whatever the case may be. I've always wanted that. But going to a studio, which is really big, big ceilings and lots of big lights, I felt quite intimidated. Whereas when I come Mm -hmm. to yours, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm going around to see friends. 
and that enables yeah. her to relax and just feel like, um, you know, just feel at, at ease and she can yeah. open up then. That's part of that service piece that is so important. Yeah. But real quick, okay, this is, I'm going to probably embarrass myself, but I had never heard, or I'm sure I'd heard of the word, but I wouldn't have been able to define it before chatting with you with millinery. I didn't know what that was. So oh. I want people out there who maybe don't, didn't know what that was either. It's hats. I mean, you photograph hats, like really cool, just yeah. dainty, beautiful, detailed, intricate hats. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it, it actually lends itself very well. Um, and it's not accidental that we do hats or millinery. So the pieces that we do, Nikki, are typically couture pieces, one-off handmade. So these are probably, um, and it could be anybody from a I, I'm not a fan of this word, but a hobbyist person who's who's good at craft and design mm-hmm. and wants to make something at the weekend, right through to businesses who are actually selling these. We actually have a lot of clients in the States, uh, interestingly. So the, the space that we have is not that conducive to, say, a full-length shop. It, 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 mm-hmm. it just starts to get a little bit too tight then and you know you start to distort and and, and all the rest of it. So in a way, the space we have has dictated what we do. So, and actually, that's not necessarily a bad thing because you know what photographers are like. We, we'll we'll come up with an idea every five minutes, and we'll go off running and running up a hill, and then we'll get to the top <laughs> of the hill and say, "Oh, I've had another idea. Let's go and run to that hill." So, actually, the space kind of like forces us or disciplines us, I suppose, is a better word for it, to actually do things. So, if you think about a hat, and you know, if you've seen or you get the chance to see what we do, our hats are quite, you know, one-off pieces. They're quite dramatic in some cases. And the space of what we've got, we can fit in. Normally, we normally say to a model, it's chest and above. Um, frankly, you can turn up in your tracksuit trousers, you know, with a pair of trainers on or something like that, because um, that's not going to be in the shot anyhow. But what happens from the chest and above is going to be in the shot. And that's what we do. We do hats. And we've got clients from Europe, we've got clients from America, clients from the UK. But the space really lends itself well. And it also lends itself well for things like headshots and things like that, because we're not really going to be shooting your legs or or, or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. We, we do have a fallback position. There's a lady who we know who's uh, got a studio about 10, 15 miles from where, we, where, where I'm sat now. So if, if somebody said, oh, actually, I want a really big um, shoot doing for my brand or I want to do full length, well, we, we have a fallback position on that. Um, we wouldn't do that in our, in our location as the poultry kitchen because it, it, it'd be just too tight. And you, you've then got to start doing compromises and mm-hmm. we don't want to do compromises. Right, right. That makes sense. Okay, so let's give the, the listeners just an idea of your business as a whole. So obviously you have the millinery, you know, hat photography within your studio. You mentioned that you do headshots. Um, So let's, let's just give them an idea of the things that you cover. And then I also want people to know that you are working towards full-time. You're not quite full-time doing all, you know, doing just photography. Yeah. So to start, let's give the the listeners just an idea of everything that you shoot. And then I want to hear your story as to how, you know, when you started and how you got to where you're at today and what your, you know, what your plan is moving forward. Yeah, so the, the, I would say the three core, well, I'm going to say two, Nikki, because there's a third one that we're developing because we've had approaches um, recently about this. So the, the the kind of starting point is millinery. So the, the interesting thing about millinery is it pulls in numerous f- photography styles, I'd say. So you've got 
fashion, you've got product, and you've got portrait. And we're blending okay. all of those three things in. So that's 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 our kind of key thing at the moment. John, how, real quick, how did you get started into that? Like, how does one decide <laughs> I'm going to photograph hats? <laughs> yeah, how does a bloke in England decide that he's going to become the world's <laughs> top millinery photographer based on the fact that I can't find another one, not on my necessarily my ability being good or bad? Um, <laughs> so so uh, I had to think about this once. Uh, somebody asked me that question a few months ago. So where we live, in, in we live in a really tiny, it's not a village, it's a town, it's probably about 9,000 people, that's all. But it used to have a hat factory in it. And that hat factory is now closed down. In fact, the building that it was in is a, is a preserved, graded, listed building. It's literally 100 yards over my left shoulder currently. Wow. And um, at the time, when we moved here, my wife's originally from this town, but we met in London. We, you know, we, we had a flat and all that sort of thing in the centre of London. Anyhow, we, we, we moved out, eventually got here, and... I, I was interested sort of probably from a local history point of view about, and I found out about the hat factory. And at the time, if you go back 50, 60 years in this time, you either worked down the pit in a mine or you worked in the hat factory. And they were the kind of two big key employers. Anyhow, long story short, we, we, my wife knew the lady who, um, well, I say my wife, Angie knew the lady who, whose family owned the hat factory, although it closed. And we got into a conversation with her and I said, oh, I'd be quite interested. I'm, you know, I'm doing photography. I'd quite like to sort of document the hats because she had all of these hats. But they weren't the sort of hats that I'm photographing now, Nikki. They, they were kind of what I'd call utilitarian hats. So policemen's hats, you know, army hats, you know, berets, that sort of thing. They weren't fashion hats or anything like that. And, and, and then one thing or another, she, she moved away. We didn't manage to do that project. But something stuck in my head. And I thought, hmm, you know, is there any, and this is an interesting, one of the things I really appreciate about what Sue does is, is about looking at the business side of this, you know, looking about it, you know, I always say you have to separate your photography into two things, which is the art of photography, taking the pictures, doing whatever you do with them, then there's the business of photography. And this bit was probably more on the business of photography side. And I thought to myself, well, is anybody else photographing hats? So I did a bit of research, I joined a few groups on Facebook, I talked to a few milliners, and there really wasn't, there was people doing things with iPhones and taking the hats themselves. And then something I noticed, when I was looking at all the pictures, they were all, pretty much all of them, that people were making hats, were, were, were doing them on a hat stand, or mm -hmm, like a polystyrene mm -hmm. head, something like that. And I thought, that's interesting. But I thought, there's no emotion. And the main thing about a, a photograph, especially a portrait type photograph or a fashion photograph, is it's about creating an emotion, isn't it? It's about making you stop and go, hang on a minute, what's going on here? Or oh, that's interesting, or oh, that's caught my eye. And because they're on stands, they just lack that. So there was a couple of milliners um, uh, who I talked to and I said, um, you know, I'm really interested in photography. I'd love to photograph them, but I want to do my models or people that want to be photographed in a portrait style. So I want to bring in the lighting techniques of portraiture, the photography techniques of portraiture, but I want the hat to be the kind of the product, the thing that we're going to do. And I've got some ideas about how I want to do that. And that was about five years ago. I mean, this is crazy, Nikki. The first millinery shoot, I look back at it now, I think, how the heck did I do that? I had a really good milliner who was very switched on. She knew exactly what she wanted. Um, we did a series of hats, about eight, nine hats. We had this, the complete opposite of what we're doing now. We had this big studio. I mean, it's the sort of studio you can bring a truck into, you know, and photograph mm -hmm. it. It's, mm -hmm. it's that sort of thing. And she got in five models, two makeup artists. I think the entourage behind me, but I was photographing all the time, was probably about 15, 20 people in total. This is, bear in mind, it's my first ever photo shoot ever. 
in in terms of this sort of scale. I mean, I'd done photographs myself, and and it and it worked. And I thought, hang on a minute. So what I decided to do there was for those shots that I'd taken, and I think possibly for one more shoot. And here's a sort of another little, I, I guess I'd I'd say business tip, is that I did that. I'd caught well. I didn't do it for free in the sense that we split the, the actual hire of the studio and we got the models on, it's a bit naughty I suppose nowadays, but we got the models on TFP where we mm-hmm. just traded for, 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 you know, which we don't sure. do anymore. Yeah. But, but we got starting this, out, we, I mean, I did that, I did the same thing. I mean, you know. Yeah. But the, the great thing of it was, was that what I got out of it was content. And now I had content exactly. images. I had something I could build into a website. And then when I would go around to other milliners, I would say, well, look, you know, if I come to you and say, I can photograph your hats, it's great. That's not interesting, is it? But if I can say, if you see what I've got here, I can, I, this is what I can deliver. Um, and that's, that's, that was my business head thinking, not my art head thinking in terms of going, right, to convince people to invest in you or to buy something off you, they have to see something. You know, they can't, they, you can't go up to somebody and say, I'm a portrait photographer. Do you want to pay me money to take your portrait? They just won't do it. They'll want to see your portfolio. Exactly. And that's kind of where it began um, from that lady and then me thinking, right, I'm going to go off and do this. And it was one of the scariest things I've ever done because it's so much to organize. So many things could go wrong, but it didn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, so <laughs> it, it's interesting too that, that the hat town in your, or the hat factory in your town closed down and then you opened a, <laughs> a, a hat photography studio in your town. But I think that's really cool. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes niching down like that, it does, it makes you desirable. Like you are likely yeah. the hat photographer in your area. And you said people come from the States too, right? Well, they, they send stuff over. So it, oh, that, it's yeah, like yeah, we've done... Right. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, they're welcome to come if they want to come and fly over. You know, we're <laughs> twenty miles from BHX, Birmingham International. But um, you know, you you make a really good point here about niche and niching. There are, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, but there are a lot of wedding photographers out there. There are a lot of mm-hmm. newborn photographers out there. There are a lot of um, street photographers out there. They're crowded markets, which is not to say they're not good at what they do because they are. Um, but I just, I just from a business background of previous jobs I had I thought well really you've got to start to you can actually create your own market you know but you've got to do quite a lot of selective targeting you've got to think about the audience you've got to think about what they want you've got to research what's available to the minute you've got to research what they can possibly stand in in terms of pricing that sort of thing and that's what that's another thing that I did Nikki I looked around and there was nobody doing it so I thought right "Right, let's go for this and and I'm sure there are tens hundreds of other niches that you could go into that you can do fairly minimal investment to get going i mean i can't think of one off the top of my head now but do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and it's taken totally. us three to four years now where you know we talk for the milliners guild of america we talk for london we, we, we were the, the last one with the official photographer london hat week you know we did a talk for fit uh, fashion institute of technology in new york recently uh, about photography and millinery so it starts springing in, in different directions. And the other thing I'd say is, as well as if, if you do find a niche, you've got to go into that community pretty open-handed, for want of a better expression. You don't go into it and go, sell, 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 I can do all this two, three for two or whatever. They don't respect that. You've got to mm-hmm. build your authenticity up first of all. And you know, uh, we've spent a lot of time doing that. And I think the fact that we're a couple, Angie and I, is quite good. You know, because it's not like, well, I'm not an alpha male in that sense, but you know what I mean? It's kind of, 
the fact that we're a couple just gives that sort of humanness about us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so you do the the millinery, and then you said you also do headshots, and you you were going to say there was a third thing that you're thinking about bringing on to your business. Yeah, yeah. So the headshots is interesting. Um, <laughs> I actually don't like the word headshots or headshot because I feel it's quite limiting. And there are mm-hmm. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be what the heck be controversial here. So there are there are headshot photographers that do great headshots. I'm not going to got a criticism, but there is a sense that I get when you look on LinkedIn or, or, or whatever business page or something like that, headshots can feel a little bit kind of prescribed. You uh-huh. know, that you have to look a certain way, you have to squint your eyes a certain way. And, and I'm, I agree I'm not, you with know, you 100%, John. There is <laughs> I'm, no character. I'm a personal branding photographer. I agree with you 100%. Thank yes. you. Thank you. <laughs> we probably know who, all the people that we're talking about. And I think that's fine if you just want to be a kind of LinkedIn poster boy. But actually, the whole point of portraiture to me is about it's about bringing out emotion. It's about bringing out character. That's what a portrait is. And, uh, and I see a headshot as pretty much something. And it's, it's, we've kind of run away with this headshot type look that you have to have a certain way. And, you know, people do have imperfections, Nikki. People do have teeth that aren't straight or people do have you know their hair isn't whatever or some people like to be on you know have a have a stubble or something like that but when you go into a process of certain styles of headshots where you have to look this certain way you have to do this you have to do that what have you i just feel that we lose a bit of character so i i do i will say some i'm sorry to interrupt you some industries kind of still quote unquote require that you know some of the more corporate some of the more professional so there is a time and a place for it, but I am seeing a shift among my really corporate professional clients who are saying they don't want that anymore. So yeah, yeah there there is a shift happening, I think. And like you said, there are some incredible headshot photographers, and then some people want to do more than that, you know, and it sounds like yeah. that's the direction you're headed, right? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you know a photographer called Ivan Vies. Uh, who's based in London? Um, who, who does the most incredible? He's a port. He's a portrait photographer, and he's say a, the name again. Uh, Ivan Vies. So it's W E I S. Okay, gotcha. And he his work is in that place where I I'm sort of headed. Ivan, to be fair, is somewhere ahead of me. But he, he, if you look, I mean, it's and I, and I think you're right. There is a kind of in corporate oh, yeah. culturally. It's, yeah, these are he has beautiful work. Yeah, but in corporate, you see what happens in corporates and corporate marketing departments specifically is they will always play the safe hand because what's gone on before will carry on tomorrow, you know? So Mm -hmm. the companies that interest me, and I did this for a law firm, funnily enough, just before the pandemic and the lockdown happened, and then I finished it off after the lockdown. And I was kind of fortunate because I knew the managing partner of the law firm who's since left, but she's been quite a good sort of... um, mentor for me from a business point of view and she said part of the brief was john she says just don't make my people look like everybody else's people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i said what do you mean uh, she's called nikki as well she says I, I, I want some character to come out of them john i want you to what have you and the first thing we did was actually quite a simple thing forgetting you know pose and all that sort of stuff nikki the first thing we did was instead of having the shot cropped so it was sort of like the chin and head i thought let's bring it out a bit Let's let's utilize the, the white table in front of them, you know? Let's turn the chair a little bit. And then suddenly you see a little bit more of the body and it opens up the, the character a bit more. 
when you deceive sort of like from the chin and above, you're losing so much of, well, real estate's probably the wrong word, but you know what I mean? You're losing yeah, yeah, sort totally. of things that you Absolutely. can, you know? So yeah, suddenly yeah. you may have a detail like a watch comes into it. So it's got the same watch as me. Suddenly that mm-hmm, becomes mm-hmm. something that can happen. Or I like his tie or I like her, the bangle on her wrist. Or, I mean, these aren't the primary things that, that you're looking at from it. But what you get is you get more of the person and therefore the the chances of feeling connected to that person are far greater. Yes, great point. Yeah. The, the, the balance is that, you know, men and women, um, you know, are not always sort of body positive about themselves. They sometimes feel quite, you know, insecure about it. So what I decided was not to do full length unless somebody felt particularly comfortable, but actually using the desk, um, you know, a typical white desk. And, and the reason I use a white desk is because I get a bounce on it. <laughs> so it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's good from mm-hmm. a light point of view. <laughs> But by using the desk, they had something to rest on and they could just relax their hands on it. The trouble is if you have to hold your hands and you're tense, that tension in your hands that you're squeezing goes up your forearms, goes up your upper arms and ends on your shoulders and your neck. And it's, do you see what I mean? It can be quite uh, problematic. But if you put the hands on the table or rest them in a certain way, and they really like them, you know, they really love them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And she gave me one other bit of advice, which will which will probably come on to in time, which is says like, "Oh, by the way, John, you're far too cheap." <laughs> okay, I was gonna, I was actually gonna call you out on that. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I did look at your website and I saw what you charge for your millinery, and I was like, "Huh." Yeah. Three hundred euro for two hours of yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, mm, yeah. come on, John. I was gonna challenge you on that here. Like, that's a fair. That's a fair let's challenge. Talk about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll be waiting for this one for about three or four weeks, Nikki. Um, yeah, so um, this is, as a business, where we're trying to move to is headshot corporate. And the, the third thing, which we haven't touched on yet, which is personal branding photography. And there's a potential opportunity for us there. So I, I think that the, the, one of the big lessons I've learned about photography, Nikki, is that it's a journey. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, mm-hmm. you're not going to start on day one and then you're going to be, you know, Annie Leibovitz by, you know, end of year one takes time. A lot of it's serendipity, a lot of it's hard work. You know, that's just the way, that's just, that's just life, you know? So the kind, the millinery is, I mean, it's quite good that you looked at it as 300. It used to be a lot less than that, actually. So <laughs> hey, we all, started, we all started somewhere. <laughs> so trust me, I get it. Yeah. So where we're gradually moving it to is we weren't, well, we did an analysis of the business of that channel of the business or that product line. And it was very clear that, you know, we did the two hour shoot and then we would, I'd probably do some post-processing afterwards, be about another two hours and then maybe do an hour or so before and did a discovery call with the client that we always do. Uh, we absolutely insist on it because it, it, it's partly so they know what's happening, but it's partly so we know what to do. So we don't have any, mm-hmm. you know, awkward conversations later on down the line. And it's still, the, the price on that isn't right, but I feel part of a community here and I accept that this may be, maybe in inverted commas, a passion project because I actually value this community because it's not just simply about the money in the case of millinery. Yes, I have to make some money, but as long as I don't lose some money in that particular product line, you've got to bear in mind that handmade couture millinery is a dying industry. And I kind of like, position myself much more in terms of like trying to support it with Angie by encouraging that community 
one of the things that we've expanded out to is is into more educational things in those communities around about around photography. But if you would say to me, okay, this is Nikki here, I'm the CEO of the business, that's not making any money, you've got to bin it, my argument would be, right, I'm not sure I want to bin it because there's a lot of people who like us and are actually quite well connected and can introduce us to places, can introduce us to museums for exhibitions where we get really positive marketing exposure. That's the kind of the loss maker, if that makes sense. And where we're trying to move there, that go on. Do you really think, though, that, you know, people are would just throw you to the wayside if you raised your prices to where they you know to making a, a much more livable wage that they'd be like oh screw you john and angie like you're out you know do you really think people would do that i think i think the way to look at it is uh well the straightforward answer i don't know um uh, we're gradually stepping the price up so i i, I would say there's a significant proportion of that market that mm-hmm. couldn't afford you know, um, that sort of pricing. But I don't want to lose that market. Mm-hmm. So I came up with other solutions, which I'll touch on perhaps in a moment. The top end of the market, so if you take milliners like Philip Tracy, Chris, um, Stephen Jones, people like that, they they would already have their photographers. The market that I'm really interested in is those that want to pay 500 600 700 pounds for us because they recognize our value. In fact, we did a client recently who did a whole collection and um, called the de Havilland Collection after Olivia de Havilland. And um, we did a fantastic shoot with her. And I was talking to her about it because she works in um, the accountancy world. And she said, no, nah, you know, at the end of the day, John, you know, if that's what I've got to pay going forward, that's what I've got to pay because I see the value. You know, mm-hmm. but it's important to understand your market, Nikki, because there are some people in there who may be just doing this as a, a weekend hobby you know, and suddenly that market. But so as a business, I've kind of like thought, well, yes, I want to go after those, if we just use the millinery channel as one example. Yes, I want to go after those that are going to pay me five, six, seven hundred pounds, whatever it is. But I don't want to leave these ones behind who can't afford that because I want to be, I want to contribute something to, or we want to contribute something to everyone. Mm -hmm. So that's where we brought in our Ask Service, our talks with people like Fit and Milliners Guild, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time as us doing that, which is, we actually do a lot of those for free. And you're going to go, oh, he's doing it for free. We're actually exposing ourselves to 40 or 50 people in a, a Zoom call, Angie and I, both of us together. And it's actually reinforcing our brand. And, and, and if you think about it, it's a bit like, you know, you've got a mug of tea, we're on Zoom, we've got 40 people talking to us, 40 oh, yeah. people being made aware of us. I wouldn't do, well, one-to-one for free. In fact, we do do one-to-ones around photography tips. We make quite a few quid out of just doing nothing but one-to-ones over Zoom to help milliners improve their own photography. Because they accept that with their, if, if all they've got is an iPhone or um, you know a, a, a smartphone or something like that, I can actually sell that service, that education service to them for 25, 30 pounds, and they will benefit from that. Um, they can't afford to have our kind of Rolls-Royce service for want of a better expression, but that doesn't stop me from actually having something which in an hour I can sit over Zoom and earn whatever and actually build, because you don't know that Milner in two or three years' time where she will be, or right, he will be, right. excuse me, she. So we're, we're always constantly reinforcing the brand as a as a part of a community, you know? So oh, yeah. You, you're dead right, 300 quid, that's peanuts, you know? But that's where we are, and this is why we're moving more towards things like 
the back to that word headshots again mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, personal branding. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, there is always a time and a place for free. I still, on occasion, do a free shoot here and there because it's someone that I know will be a great evangelist for me and I want them in my portfolio. Or, But it's you're doing it because you know there's value within it. You're not doing it because you're afraid to ask someone to ever pay for a shoot. Like, it's, it's, it's a marketing strategy. On top of doing something for someone, it's also a marketing strategy. So there's absolutely a time and a place for it. And it sounds like you guys have really figured out a good, you know, something that works well. So I've got a question for you. So my question for you is, which one of us, I and your I, put their foot down and said, you're not doing free anymore, John. No more free shoes. I've just given given it away there, haven't I? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I have a feeling this is Angie. (laughs) She seems like a smart (laughs) woman. (laughs) Yeah. But John, it is easy to get into that mindset of like, you love this community and you feel part of it and you feel passionate about it. You know, so there's that balance of you guys wanting to be full time at this and also, you know, being able to provide for the community. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fine line. I think it's important though, Nikki, to be able to say, I, I, I don't like excluding people who I can help or we can help. But what we wouldn't do is give you a three or five hundred pound three hour photo shoot for free. Mm-hmm. But what right. we can do over a Zoom call or a group call for one of the guilds and or one of the groups, there's lots of groups of, you know, really, really talented ladies who create incredible hats. What we can do as as a balance to the sort of top end stuff is say, here's a, a solution we've got. We're going to do a Zoom. So for example, uh, I did one at um, uh, FIT recently where they, a load of their students submitted their own millinery photographs and we constructively criti- criticized them in terms of where you should do this, you should do this, take this out, there's distraction here, all that sort of thing. And they found it hugely valuable. So I think it's important to, yes, it is important to make money and, and earn a living out of this, but also I don't want to forget and leave behind people who can't afford to access that at the minute because they may be able to access it tomorrow. Right. Right. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Totally yeah. makes sense. Okay, I do have a question for you about, you know, when someone does decide to niche down the way that you've done, just, you know, particularly with this part of your business, yeah. how do you, you, you said you have to, you know, make sure you're focusing on a target market. And I guess what advice would you have for people to try and put their name out there if they're going to target a specific type of like let's say for example someone wants to photograph glassware i have an obsession with glassware like drinking glasses (laughs) so if i wanted to become which actually is kind of not a bad idea now that i'm talking to you about this like if i wanted to photograph glassware let's say how do i find people who would want their glassware photographed how do i market to them um i I, you well hello google is would be my mm. sort of like starting point, right? So if right. you think of your niche, and I'm 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 just talking about millinery, but um, for mine, but the same concept or the same uh, theory could be transferred elsewhere. So it's not like you, you know it has to be fashion or it has to be this. It could be anything, you know. So I would do a lot of research on Google, find out who the milliners are. I'd want to be looking at what they're doing, you know, because if you turn up and you find out, well, they've got incredible photographs taken. They're not going to need you, you know. That's that's quite a, that's quite a difficult thing to unseat if they're very very happy with it. And a lot of milliners are they're happy doing photographs themselves or using their iPhones or that sort of stuff. And you know, that's you know, good luck to them. We've got no problem with that. 
the, the, the sort of next stage is to probably look at various Facebook groups and joining those, mainly as a kind of a listening tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and also observing what people are doing and what people are posting and that sort of thing. I, I don't know if there's a glassware um, Facebook page, but I'm sure there is something there. And actually, the very first response I got, I joined a group in Australia. Hats are massive in Australia. I think it's a climate thing. Um, that's the reason for it. It's, they're, they're like a really big thing in 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 in, in Australia. Um, and you get some fabulous hats from there. I joined a group called Hat Academy. And I just put this thing on post one day and I just said, hi, my name's John. I'm a photographer. I'm interested. I'd be really interested in doing some millinery photography. Is anybody interested? And that's how that post became that that shoot. You know, the one I told you about, about the five models and, you know, mm-hmm. that that started from that post. So somebody approached me and then they said, I'm interested. And it it probably took about three to four months to ferment, you know, backwards and forwards, um, ideas and what have you. And then, and then disciplining those ideas because, you know, again, photographers and creators were all over the place. (laughs) We need discipline to to keep things (laughs) on track, which is one of Angie's biggest strengths. So that, so it could be a Facebook page. It could be, I mean, the, the, the whole concept, I guess, around Facebook is 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 around you know building community. So, and and I realised that there wasn't a lot of people doing it, so that gave me a slight advantage. So, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. very loosely, social media channels, maybe writing emails to people, uh, to milliners, or in your case, glassware, and just say. Um, but the one thing I'd say, Nikki, is I think it really matters to have something that you could demonstrate. Because mm-hmm. whether that, so, so go back to your glassware example. If you were going to do this, I'd say this weekend or next weekend or whatever, do create some really good shots, three or four shots. You don't need a lot. You don't need a whole portfolio of 20 or 30, just three or four shots that are there to open the door for you. Yeah. And then off yep. you go from there. But it's the communities that matter. And then from the communities, you get other connections like the colleges, then you get the guilds and all this sort of stuff. But they are not dragging you through, that's the wrong word, but they are validating you through the process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting just listening and talking about this because it really all is the same. It's just a different target market. It's building your portfolio. It's building credibility. It's building relationships. It's providing great service. I mean, it really goes back to it doesn't matter what you're shooting or what your genre is or your niche is. It's all the same. Yeah. Yeah. And this is this is this this expression I have, which is the, you know, you need to, uh, again, I'm suggesting it as advice and you don't have to take it but it's it's for me the one thing i've realized is to separate out the art of photography from the business of photography and this that we're talking about getting to a market getting in there finding out who to talk to maybe having a few conversations getting feedback on other photographers they've used and i remember doing that once and somebody said yeah the the photos are really awful i said well why were they awful but i had to coax that out of people just through conversations and it was like i thought okay i understand why they're awful now because all they'd send them back or for example you know they'd use photographers that would take the photographs while they were smoking a cigarette well can you imagine to a milliner coming back with a hat that's handmade and it smells of cigarette smoke you know it's it's not a good look Mm -hmm. for a business is it no no it's not and that actually reminds me okay this is a total side note story but we live out in the country and i love getting farmer fresh eggs so I saw a sign and I was like, oh, sweet, you know, fresh eggs, yeah. $3 a dozen. So I pull in and I got three dozen. And the second he handed them to me, I was like, whoa, like the bags, even the eggs smelled like cigarette smoke. And I was like, yeah. oh, 
God, no, thank you. Like, it's just, yes. So (laughs) the service part of it, the environment, everything matters. All the little details, it all matters. It really does. It does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, very cool. It sounds like you guys have a really, really great thing going. Where do you see yourself going from here? What's your What's your goal, I guess, for the next year and a half, two years? Yeah, I there's one, which is the headshots. Uh, that word again. <laughs> oh, I, I, I kind of like to pretentiously call them corporate portraits. And um, we've kind of been working through a pricing model on that and came up with something that was quite interesting into it was like a um i was in a com- had a thought process in a conversation with someone and um originally i used to just do a price which is you know half day quarter day half day whatever and it would be anything up to you know 1500 2000 pounds you know then i had a, an idea in my brain which was actually break it down by sitter so actually so here's another little sort of tip if i could give somebody and if, if you look at the pricing on our website it's like it's by sitter so the fewer sitters you have, the higher the price is per sitter. The more people you have, the price gets really low. It goes down to about £50, what's that, $75, something else per sitter, which sounds really cheap to you, but you've got to have 31 sitters. But the customer will see the, the $75 or the £50 and think that's pretty good. The whole purpose of my website is not to sell everything, job done, all the rest of it. My, the whole purpose of the way we've designed our website is to work as a filter which is partly to to qualify people in but also to qualify people out because we don't waste our time with people who can't afford us or whatever the case may be so that's probably the next big thing that we're going to be looking at doing is the headshot packages um the corporate portrait type things beyond that the really interesting thing was i have a friend this was the lady who was the managing partner of the law firm and, and um she's moved away from that now and she's looking at so she she has a background as being you know managing partner of a major law firm got a lot of experience how to run a business you know and she decided i've had enough of that i've been doing it for 30 odd years i'm going to go off and build a consultancy where i'm going to help women who are either been in the same position as I am but don't know how to look after themselves you know from running a business it's a big leap isn't it when you go from working from a corporate where you're getting a salary every month and you know you know everything is to actually being on your own you know you've suddenly got to think about marketing you haven't got a marketing director anymore you've got to think about finance you haven't got to well she knows all of that so she's building a consultancy around it and she said to me so John I'm going to need to get photos done and I know you, and I like what you do, could you do it? And I will pay you the, the, the full price for it. And I says, okay, cool. And she says, but also what I'll do is, I know I have lots of connections of women in the same position who, I mean, I think what you're saying in a roundabout way, Nikki, was I know a lot of people, and I'm happy to, you know, uh, validate you for want of a better expression in terms of what, I would, what you would probably call personal branding photography. Beyond that... I'm interested in developing, or I this is I, I tend to do sort of like looking a long way into the future. I want to bring in video because I think photography is good, but I think when you start bringing video in, it becomes even more powerful. So you've got the still mm-hmm. for that kind of like. Agreed. But then when you yeah. and the things that we're looking at here are similar lighting style. I don't know if you've come across a, a thing called Unilad on YouTube. No, I haven't. Yeah, they interview people for about, and they, they've always they're always interviewing people like who've had an unusual life or something in their life. So it might be, so some of them are quite random. I'll warn you in advance, but it might be um, a London gangster, and it's like ten minutes they interview him and he tells his stories. You know, um, mm-hmm. I want to do a compressed version of that, but for personal branding. 
Um, so you'll have the imagery, you'll have the video. Um, so, and you can slice that into as big or small pieces as, as you want. But the interesting thing is, Nikki, I won't do the video. What's the point? I'm not going to spend five years learning videography. I'll just outsource it mm-hmm. uh, to somebody. Um, in the same way, I've got a web designer. Um, I, if anybody needs a web design, I need any clients we talk to, I've got somebody I access to. Because this is the danger as a photographer, you tend to take everything over, don't you? You tend to do everything. When actually, it's about being brave enough to say, here's a trusted person, they're a videographer, why am I going to spend five years learning that when I could just tap him and uh, use him or her from tomorrow? So that's the sort yeah. of plan. Yeah. So that's the sort of direction we're going into. I don't think we'll do that in a year and a half. If I'm honest, Nikki, might <laughs> take a well, bit you never know. That. You never know. No, no, no. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing everything. It's 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 just such a cool business, and um, I'm excited for you and Angie. I think I think it's really great. Yeah. Um, but I do have a couple more questions to ask you that I always yeah, ask go ahead. at the end of each episode. The first one is: What is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? Angie. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah, well, you know, I could say music, but I've done shoots without music before. I can, uh, and anyhow, it doesn't mean I can't say music because it's always Angie's choice for the music. I never get a choice. Um, that's not true. I'm only joking. But um, seriously, uh, I would say that when I was photographing before Angie got involved, the, the, the business is so much more better run now because she has no fear about saying the hard things to clients so if a client says oh you've got it down you're allowed to shoot five hats is it right if i bring 10 i'll go mm-hmm. whereas angel go no or <laughs> she'll go yes you can but that'll be an extra 220 pounds and she's very good at those conversations mm-hmm. she's also the other thing that's important with angie is that because she's a woman she sees things from a woman's point of view, not just in the styling of the photograph or, or, or the coloring and all that sort of stuff, but actually when somebody walks up to our, our door and opens it and walks in, she, I'm not going to sound as it's going to sound, but you know, women will look at how a woman keeps, woman keeps a house, you know? So uh-huh. it's, it's a home, it's a pride. I've been in so many scruffy, scruffly run studios and t- most, most of the time they're run by a man. Whereas it's very different when a woman, when it gets that woman's touch of cleanliness and tidiness and, and, and pride. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's got to, yeah, someone's got to have it. So (laughs) (laughs) it just sounds like you have the, you know, different strengths, you know, and when you can come together as a team like that and have those different strengths that bring you, you know, that cover all the bases. It's so, it's so wonderful. Yeah. I mean, Angie has no interest in posts. She has no interest in the editing. She has no interest in the conceptual designs. What Angie does very, very well is that she makes sure it's delivered. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, that, and that doesn't sound very exciting, Nikki, does it? But it actually is absolutely vital. It's very, very exciting. <laughs> I kind of wish yeah. I had an Angie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's funny. My husband, Dan, and I have very opposite strengths as well, but yeah. We we're not going to be working together. It's just not happening. Uh, okay, so number 2 is how do you spend your time when you're not working? And I'm assuming with Angie, but what do you guys do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, blind me. Um, more recently I've just it's strange, but I I I've recently started dis- discovering fiction and reading, which is kind of good. It gives me a chance to wind down. So I, ha- I also have a discipline of that I do, you know, every night I go to bed I do a chapter or whatever the case may be. I've also become addicted to swimming. 
Um, so I'm, I'm lucky I've got a pool nearby me and it's kind of, swimming is quite good for me because it lets me clear my head out. Because mm-hmm. you know what it's like, yeah. Nikki, when you're a photographer, you're, you're always thinking ideas, aren't you? You're always thinking, oh, yeah. oh, what about this? What about that? You, mm-hmm. you just think, go away. It's, it's kind of a blessing and a curse, isn't it, in, in, in a way? But w- when I go swimming, that's it. It's gone. And then I come out and I feel really, I don't necessarily, I mean, I get the benefit of a physical uh, fitness, but I, I do it for the mental well-being, you know? Yeah. Outside yeah. of that, you know, I'm just sort of, I've got two teenage kids, you know, or one slightly older than teenage, so driving them here, driving them there, basically. That keeps it? you busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, number three, what is your favorite inspirational quote? You know, it's not a quote, um, but it's an idea. Is, is that acceptable? Is that acceptable? Hmm, interesting. Tell me more. Why that one? So I always think with a photograph, and you may have come across this before, So, the, and I always look at my photographs this way and, and, and when I take them or when we take them. And it's about there's three people in a photograph. I don't know if you've ever come across that before. And the three people in the photograph are the, the sitter, are the photographer, and are the viewer the person you don't see. And there's a dynamic going on there that I find really interesting. So the way that the sitter is posed, you know, the way that the photographer has photographed him or her, the way that that's going to be perceived by some other person could be anywhere in the world on Instagram or, you know, whatever channel that you're you're sharing it to. And I find that very interesting because something that I may I may get that somebody else in the room doesn't get, but somebody else somewhere else does get. So that, that's kind of, that's kind of like a, a big driver for me. It's not really a quote. It's more of a concept. Uh, mm-hmm. I love sense. it. I love it. I love that. And it, it comes from a guy, I, I first came across it from, I think Simon Sharma, the uh, historian. Uh, he did a, um, uh, a series on portraiture. And that's that's interesting as well. That's the thing that fascinates me is portraiture. You know, the things we can take for inspiration from, you know, artists from three, four, five, six hundred years ago and still use them in photography. I mean, Rembrandt is the classic one, of course. But all of those sorts of things, you know, we've got such a catalogue behind us that we can use to go forward with as well. It's not just about, you know, a photograph, so to speak. It's about that emotion that you come back to. I could probably pull a quote out the top of my head and, um, yeah, I'll go for that because you're quite... If, if you want to get something done, get a woman involved. <laughs> <laughs> get an Angie. No, I, I like the idea of I'm I'm tempted next time to start saying, you know, a quote or a concept because I, I'm not really a quote person per se. Maybe it's because I I, I struggle with yeah. remembering things the first time that I heard it. I don't know. It's just a yeah. fault I have, I guess. So but concepts and the way, you know, the way I look at things, that that's a lot easier for me to say, like, ooh, I love you know, I, I live in this way or I treat people with this way or when I have an idea, I ask myself these questions. So I, I like that. I like this. Hmm. I think, I think the other, th- I mean, it's slightly, it's slightly connected to it, but for me, a, a photograph pretty much, the, the sort of stuff that I do, the sort of stuff that you do, the sort of stuff that Sue does, that sort of thing. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is create an emotional connection, aren't we? And it just yes. happens to be that the medium we're using is photography. And I, I, I love that. I mean, you know, the women that I photograph are typically quite aloof, quite haughty, quite provocative looking, you know? And I kind of like that thing that they have all of this femininity, but they're, with their eyes, they are in complete control, you know? And I like that kind mm-hmm. of empowerment mm-hmm. that comes out of it. So it's, it's kind of, you know, and, and those styles will come back from photographers long since gone, from portraits from the Renaissance, that sort of thing. 
it's always about that power in the in the portrait, you know. Uh, and I, that's 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 why I still love to this day. It's why I still love doing it. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, last question for you is: What would you tell people who are just starting out? Believe in yourself. Don't worry about the technology. YouTube will sort that out for you. <laughs> I always think. <laughs> um, don't be scared to ask. I know I'm giving you a, a long list here. Um, uh, actually, it's quite funny. I was thinking about this the other day. I was talking to my son about it. I said, sometimes though, you can look at a lot of YouTube and you don't, and you get locked into it. It can be a bit of a rabbit hole. So I've learned quite a lot of stuff. I'm self-taught. Nobody's. I've not, not had a formal education in photography. Um, so everything I've had to learn, experiment with, and all that. And probably that's the advice I'd give. It, well, the two things I'd give is to experiment and try things. Be brave. And the yeah, second thing yeah. is, I would say is to make sure you separate the art and the business of photography. I mean, they are next to each other. And you don't have to separate them miles apart. But, you know, the stuff that we talked about earlier on about going to markets, going into communities is very different to the, how you set the light up. And it's very, here's the thing, Nikki, is that when you're struggling, I bet you you'll fall towards the art of photography if you're not getting business and you'll try and hide from the business of photography because that's the easy option, isn't it? Go out and get yourself a new lens, try a new shot when actually it's the business of photography that makes us successful or not, as the case may be. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yep, I love I love your advice, and I just, yeah, I love your voice too. You have a great voice. I feel like you could oh, like narrate you. books or something. Well, that's in the market. I'll charge 300 pounds for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, we're going to have to talk about that beforehand. No, I'm just kidding. Well, first of all, thank you um, to you and, and to you guys. And to Sue for inviting me uh, and letting me tell your story, to tell us, tell Angie and I's story. Um, you know, Sue's a great advocate. You know, she's she's somebody that you can look up to, isn't she? So, um, oh, yeah. and the whole concept yeah. behind it. So, you know, we were really chuffed and frankly honored to be invited on. Um, I just hope I haven't talked too much. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You were, it was perfect. I learned a lot. I think it's, it's wonderful. You did great. You did great. Tell Angie I said thank you too. Yeah, she, well, she'll be listening to it. And say, how many, she'll have a little marker book next to her. How many times did you just say the word Angie? Angie, Angie <laughs> well, like Angie, thank you. Thank you for being yeah. sort of part of our interview. Next time I'll interview you. No. <laughs> well, the, the, the funny thing you. is, it, the funny thing is, Nikki, it's kind of a family fair. So the reason that my sound sounds so good is because my son is training as a sound engineer and oh, my sweet. daughter occasionally helps us because she's a makeup artist. So she sometimes comes in and does makeup. So we actually, you know, we've got the whole thing sealed up here. <laughs> Great. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And yeah, I'm excited. This was great. Good stuff. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-day startup challenge plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business, lighting PDFs, I mean truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. 